As some of you know by now, I guess most of you don't, but I spent the decade of my 20s working for 10 years in the newspaper business as a newspaper reporter, uh, uh, an editor, and finally I left in 1982 uh, as an investigative newspaper reporter. I learned a lot of lessons, but no more lessons ever in my ministry than the ones I learned when I got to Memphis, Tennessee in 1977 to go to work for the morning newspaper, The Commercial Appeal. I got there in July of 1977, just in time for Elvis Presley to die in Memphis on August the 16th, 1977. Now to say that that was a tumultuous and chaotic time to be in the news business is an understatement. We had about six months worth of every scrap of information we could come up with about Elvis was headline news all over the country. And I came up with my share of them as a reporter. I think I figured out or got someone to tell me how much money was in Elvis's checking account when he died. And I don't even remember how much it was, but it was a lot. Uh, I also interviewed his dad, Vernon Presley, a couple of times. And I was at Graceland Mansion when Elvis was reburied there. You may remember that they first buried Elvis in Assumption Cemetery near Graceland, but people were going to try to steal his body. So they convinced the city to let them move his body to Graceland, where he is there now with his mother and, and father. I'm not sure where his daughter is going to be buried. I haven't uh, Research that. This was a tumultuous time. On one of my uh, wild goose chases as a reporter, I wound up going around in North Mississippi, near Tupelo, Mississippi, Elvis's hometown, to find someone who lived somewhere there who had some tidbit of information about Elvis as a little boy. Now, that would have been front page news for about six months. And so I was driving around. We didn't have GPS. We had those old fold-out maps. And I wound up driving around somewhere outside of Tupelo, Mississippi, uh, when it got dark. And out in the country, without street lights, it gets dark. I... <laughs> wound up on a farm-to-market road in my little 1976 uh, green Triumph TR7 that had headlights that were about that big. That didn't do much good when it's really dark. And then one of those infamous Mississippi Delta uh, fogs started coming in. I couldn't see where I was going. It was dark. My eyes could not penetrate. My headlights on my car were not penetrating. They were not helping. All I could see around me was dark. There were trees. I couldn't see houses or lights. And I didn't know where I was. And I learned that your mind starts playing tricks on you when you're in the dark. And you can't see.
and you don't know where you're going. I began to imagine people running out of the darkness and beating on the side of my car. I imagined 18 wheelers going 120 miles an hour coming up behind me. I imagined there being a brick wall 100 feet in front of me. I couldn't see. But I learned that when you're in the dark, things start to gang up on you really fast. And that's not just a physical lesson. That applies to us spiritually. When we're in the dark and we're not sure where we're going, everything gangs up on us and starts coming at us quickly and unexpectedly. You all know that. We're living in a world that is, right now, spiritually dark, except for the beacons of light, like us, who still carry the torch and the light of Christ. It is still a dark and scary world. And if we're not in the light, things approach us unexpectedly, out of the darkness, rushing at us. They come up behind us doing 120 miles an hour. And we know what they're called. They're called demons. And they're wreaking havoc all over the world. But we have the light of Christ. A light that shatters all darkness. All of it. On whatever level we think. Whether we want to think physically, the light shatters the darkness. We think mentally, the light shatters the darkness. We think emotionally, the light shatters the darkness. And spiritually, His light shatters the darkness. And so we come to our Gospel lesson today from Matthew 10, where Jesus is looking around at the clouds, the crowds and He thinks, sadly, that they are like sheep without a shepherd. They are lost and harassed. And the harvest of souls He saw around Him was plentiful, but he said to his apostles, but the laborers are few. Pray that the Lord of the harvest will send out laborers into his vineyard. Then Matthew gives us the list of the twelve. And Jesus begins to tell them his instructions before he sends them out. And we know that there were many times Jesus sent them out. Before they were filled with the Holy Spirit. Before he breathed on them after He was resurrected from the dead and said, receive the Holy Spirit. Before the day of Pentecost, Jesus gave them authority to cleanse the lepers and to cast out the demons and heal the sick. And Jesus says, you are to go into this world, my brothers. He tells them elsewhere not to take any provisions with them. Not, no, they don't need two staffs. They don't need an extra cloak to go with minimal provisions into the darkness with only His authority backing them up. He was teaching them a lesson that I still have to learn every day, and so do you. We feel overwhelmed in the world. What are we going to do when we spend 30 minutes watching the news? Or... 15 minutes watching the local news at 10 o'clock going, oh my gosh, everybody is shooting everyone else all the time. What are we going to do? And we're sent out into that from this Mass today with provisions that He gives to us. 
including his own authority, his power to make a difference in the world. Jesus says, go into the world with this message. The kingdom of heaven, Matthew never says the kingdom of God. He says the kingdom of heaven. He was uh, Jewish. And they, the Orthodox Jews didn't mention God's name. They called him Hashem, the name. And tell them this, the kingdom of heaven is at hand. Now, the, the word that Matthew uses in the Greek there uh, means not only just at hand, it means it has come. It's here. I like to read that as saying the kingdom of heaven is closer than you think. He tells one of the people who came to him and Jesus helped him to recite the commandments. And the, the young man said to him, I've kept these from my youth. And Jesus says, you are ne not far from the kingdom of God. And we know the kingdom burst into this world when God took human flesh and came into the world in Bethlehem to be our Savior and Redeemer. Because the kingdom is wherever the king is. And where, is the, where is God's kingdom right now? It's with you. It's within you. We're under the authority of the king who is a benevolent king who gives us provisions. Jesus tells them, take my authority, go into the world and do four things. He tells them to cure the sick. He tells them to raise the dead. He tells them to cleanse the lepers. He tells them to cast out demons. Now, how are they going to do that? With his authority backing them up. Now, when we read those four things on a physical level, we're missing the point of this. Jesus is giving them authority to cleanse the sick physically, mentally, emotionally, and spiritually. He's given them authority to raise not only those who are dead physically, but those who are dead mentally and emotionally and spiritually. Those people are still with us. We know people who've, who have shut down on life. They get so overwhelmed. They quit. Their emotions are shot. Their minds are exhausted. He gives them authority over them. He gives them authority to cleanse the lepers. Not just those who have unacceptable physical sicknesses, those who have, who have what society considers unacceptable mental illnesses, those who have unacceptable emotional illnesses, and those who are spiritually ill. Jesus' authority extends to all of those without limitation. Then he tells them to cast out demons. Now, the demons are still with us. And the apostles went, and we know that when they came back, they told Jesus, we saw, we saw Satan fall from heaven like lightning. And Jesus said to them, yes. They said, Lord, even the demons are subject to us in your name. Because it's his authority that backs them up. His authority that backs us up. Now, we have so many provisions to go into the world and make a difference to help people find their way out of the darkness. 
I don't remember how I got away from Tupelo, Mississippi. I probably went around in circles. Almost exhausted all the gas in my little TR7. I made it out of it. Actually, looking back, I know how. I started praying. I said, Lord, you're going to have to get me out of this. <laughs> and he goes, yes, Steve, I know. When we finally get to the point where we can do no more and we say, Lord, I can't do any more, the Lord says, this, yes, I know you can't. Why are you trying to do it all alone? We have him with us. We have his provisions in the sacraments of the altar, of the baptismal font, of the confessional booth, of the holy unction. We have power of the sacramentals he gives us, like the rosary, holy water, holy oil. We have his provisions with us. He has given us a community to be with us. His people. We may think that we're the only ones, but St. Paul thought that at one time too, in panic, said, Lord, I'm the only one here. And God says, no, I have many people in this city, Paul. There are many of us. And we know that with him as our authority and power, we can make a positive difference. Today, we're going to be baptizing two new little babies into the body of Christ, the church. We're going to make promises to that baby. We're going to support them with our prayers. We need to support all our children with all of our prayers all the time because Satan is trying to pick them off one at a time. But what we have as our authority is greater than the evil one, much greater. He is the one who backs us up. So please remember, as I say almost every Sunday, when you go out into the world filled with his blessing today, you can make a difference because of Him. He is with you and He backs you up wherever you go. We get in trouble when we forget. I guess if I had not started praying outside of Tupelo, Mississippi, late one night in August of 1977, I'd probably still be driving around there. It's a crazy place. The whole world is a crazy place. Things come at us unexpectedly when we're in the dark. But those of us in the light of Christ are not in the dark. We're in his light that shatters all darkness. I know that when I started praying, I started finding my way out. Now, eventually, I probably would have anyway, but I think I would have run out of gas first. We run out of emotional and spiritual and mental uh, fuel all the time. He fills us. Be filled with him today. Go into the world. Make a difference. And know that he's there with you and will never leave you or forsake you. Amen.